0: My cup, my cup, my cup, my cup, Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're so glad you've tuned in today to the show. Hope you can stay with us for the next hour. We're going to be on till 10 o'clock with We Are Just Christians. This is a live call-in show and I'll Give you the numbers, how to reach us in just a moment, and tell you a little bit about the show. So you might have some reason to call us. We'd like to hear from you today. It's an interactive show. At least we hope be- we can hear from it's you always Yes, it's always yeah. better when people call in or write in. We have a letter to go over today and some other things. So uh, we'll be glad for you to, to participate in that. As I mentioned, We Are Just Christians is a live call-in show about spiritual things, whatever's on your mind of a spiritual nature. And of course, Gary and I believe that just about everything is spiritual, in the final analysis.
1: It's hard to get away from it,
0: right? It's yes, just like it's some, in some degree or another, everything is political. Uh, everything is everything is spiritual, and uh, some people make a distinction between spiritual and religious. Well, I'll get into all of that, but this is about we are just Christians. It's about being just a New Testament Christian, not some kind of Christian, not after some kind of tradition that people have established over a long period of time of their own ideas, their own uh, uh, denominations, anything like that. We're trying to get past all that, get back behind all that. Look at the Bible for what it says. Look at it for, for its own sake and and knowing that it's the thing that Jesus has left us through his apostles to live by, be to guide us.
1: Well, Mike, let's, let's so. point out one more time what Jesus said about this. In John 12:48, he said, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken, will judge him in the last day.
0: Yes, and that's why we emphasize the word. That's why we emphasize yeah. the scriptures so much. It's not so, going to be
1: what I think or what I want. It's going to be the words that he spoke.
0: Right. So let me give you the numbers to reach. We are just Christians. The number you can reach the st- through the station is 772. Three four zero fifteen ninety seven seven two three four zero one five nine zero is the call-in number for WPSL, and we'd be glad to hear from you if you call in. Ray there at the station will patch you right on through to us, and we'll be able to have a conversation. We like to have conversations. If you want to ask a question and, and leave, that's okay. It's I like it better when people will ask a question and then we can clarify, make sure we got the question correct, and then maybe. If you want to respond back and forth, we can have a conversation about that. We, we, we may or may not agree. I don't promise you we're going to agree with what you say. I promise you we're not going to embarrass you or anything like that or take advantage of you calling in because we're trying to have a, a serious discussion about spiritual matters. And so this is not about baiting people. It's not about embarrassing people and all that kind of thing. So you feel free to call in and we're going to give you the last word on whatever subject we bring up. So but it is about what is that. in the Bible. Correct. It is certainly about that. And uh we're going to we're going to always point you back to that if if it's at all possible in our answer to what the scriptures say and give you some scriptures to think about because we believe that uh, you can understand what they say and and we then it's on a, it's on us as people to, you know, respond to what God says in the Bible and we try to to differentiate the Old and New Testaments and how it applies one way or the other and I know a lot of people don't do that, they have not been taught to do that I should say, but we're going to try to teach you to do that. So you call in 772-340-1590 we'd be glad to hear from you or you can reach us by text message at 772-260-6120 that's my text number Mike, 771- 772-260-6120. 772-260-6120. 7, 7, 2, 2, 6, 6, or Gary's text number is 772-260-6220. 7, 7, 2, 2, 6, 6, 2, 2, That's Gary's text number. There's one difference. Mine is 6120. His is 6220. I said 771, Gary. That was the area code <laughs> that they put in when I was a kid. I remember a time when there weren't area codes. Probably you do too, I'm All sure. Right. And then they got we got the 771 area code where I grew up, and, and uh, so I'm only –
1: and it's probably so not actually
0: we got at the seven seven two was the exchange. I remember the first telephone, I don't think you didn't have to have an exchange. You just right. dialed a one number and then the last four was all you had to do to dial when I was a kid on the party line. Or That's the, how old we are.
1: Or the exchange was a word.
0: Well yes, ours was Princeton, PR. Yeah. PR one nine four three four was my number growing up. And the came right. it became uh 513, blah, blah, blah. So somebody probably should. I won't give the number. Somebody probably has this number today. But uh, it's funny how you remember some things and not other. I can tell you my phone number growing up, but I can't find my way home from Walmart, you know. So that's the kind <laughs> of way that works or what I'm supposed to be doing this this last minute or two. In any event, we're glad you're with us here and We Are Just Christian, 772-340-1590. Mike,
1: and, I, I'd like to make one more comment okay. about uh, Jesus saying the word is what is going to judge us because it was also said of him in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. Basically it said, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So yes. if we don't know what he wants us to do, where are we going to find it? It has to be in has the It has to
0: be found in the Word. That's correct, in the Word. And, and, and he left us his Word for that reason. He, said, he told his disciples as he was about ready to be crucified, I have many other things I need to say to you, but I cannot, but you cannot bear them now. They, they wouldn't be able to understand them or process them. And, and so he then says, but I will send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to guide you into all truth. He made that promise to his apostles, not to you and I, that he would guide us into all truth directly by speaking to us in our ear, but that he left that to the apostles. And so... He says, and he even tells them later, he who rejects you rejects me. So if we reject the apostles, then he, Jesus says, well, you reject me because I sent the apostles. So we believe in following what Jesus and the apostles have left us as a complete revelation, as a guide into all truth. And that's that's what we mean by the word. Now, the Old Testament gives us guidance in this matter and helps us to understand and, and to understand uh, Put in place all of these things. Um, so, in any event, uh, we got a we got a letter this week, Gary, um, that relates to a couple of calls we've had in the last uh, few weeks. So, uh, it I, I may it may go back over some of the things we've talked about here in recent weeks. But it's a letter we got that I want to read to you at least part. We'll kind of read parts of it. It's a, a whole page, and I really appreciate. This person writing in uh, to us, it says that they tried to send us an email, um, but I I don't recall getting an email from them at all, and it says that possibly they didn't go through. And so I apologize for that. Let me give you a couple of emails. By the way, let me me give you a couple of emails where you can reach us. You can reach us, this show, at justchristians.att.net. That's one word, Christians at all, att. All lowercase. All, yeah. well I, I don't it's all lowercase usually. I don't think it has to be lowercase but I've but seen some that are not some that are not yes yeah. but it, it uh, I think it'll work either way just Christians at ATt net or you can use my personal email which is Michael J Schmidt at bellsouth.net, Michael J Schmidt at bellsouth.net that's a lot longer harder to remember that's why I got the shorter one but in the in any event Uh, You can send us emails there. We'll do our best to find them and to retrieve them. I get too many emails every day. Most of it needs to be trash or never come in in the first place. Every now and then, Gary, I sort out all the stuff and get rid of stuff, but uh, sometimes I don't get around to that. But you can also reach us by mail, and she just mailed this letter to the church building, which is 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard in Port St. Lucie. 34953, and we'll get that, letter that we'll get that in the mail, like this one, and I appreciate her doing that. It takes a lot of time to type these kind of things out. She says, um, I appreciate your method of approaching the Bible by presenting the differing interpretations of a verse, looking at what the Bible has to say, and then coming to a conclusion. And she says, by way of introduction, I would like to state up front that I do not agree with the style of music often used in churches today. I attend a church and that where the pastor's a good fantastic teacher, but the worship quote part is what I imagine would be similar to a nightclub act, colored lights flashing, fog machine, loud music, and uh so forth and you can't hear this audience singing it's not praise or worship it's a performance and so um in any event uh she says that uh while you may even, while you, she says, returning to the point of my letter, while you have every right to choose not to use mechanical instruments and simply make melody in your heart, the explanation you gave caused me to search the scriptures, which is great. That's exactly—it's
1: one of the things we exactly want to
0: what I would like people to do. Even though, even if we come to different conclusions, we're going to—we're to, always going to have to start there. Even if we agree or disagree, we still have to start with the scriptures, right? Right. I could just say what I want. You could agree. That wouldn't make either one of us correct, would it? Well, scriptures would not make either find. one of us right just because we yeah. agree.
1: You're right, but scripture is where we find what God wants. What God left to us. Paul says in the Galatian letter, in chapter one, he says, "But I made known to you, brethren, the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Christ." jesus christ
0: right so he's telling you that he's not just making up what he wants to say so, right so whatever we may say paul says this but that doesn't mean he thought it up in it's own his own right. idea
1: paul right. says this but basically he's repeating what he's been told
0: right she says first quote where would we get and she must be quoting me where would we get the blood to sprinkle on the instruments to consecrate them. Now, here's the argument that I made or we made on the air about yeah. one of the arguments about instrumental music is that every article of, uh, that was used in worship, everything that was brought into the temple in the Old Testament where God dwelt was to, had to be consecrated or made holy by sprinkling blood on it.
1: Set apart to, make, to for God. Be,
0: make it be holy, or set apart for God's use. So, they, the Bible says that they took blood and sprinkled upon all the articles uh, there in the temple, all the golden bowls and the everything we had blood sprinkled on to make it holy, and then that ma- made it set apart. It couldn't be taken home and used by the priest to serve Sunday, uh, you know, serve a Sabbath dinner or something. Right. So it was made holy, and my point was that in the New Testament, the church is the temple, not the building, as we're going to see. But the church is the temple of God, and everything brought into the church must be made holy by sprinkling the blood of of something. Now, the blood in the Old Testament was animal blood. So my point was, if you want to bring something into the worship before you can use it in God's temple, the church, you want to use something in worship, you must sprinkle blood on it to make it holy. What blood are you going to use? Can you use animal blood? Well, no, animal blood was done away. When Christ did away with the old law, He fulfilled it. He didn't abolish it so much as he fulfilled that. There's no need for animal sacrifices because Christ already has uh, made a better sacrifice, the book of Hebrews says. And so the only things that are allowed to be used in worship in in the new temple, the church, are things that have been made holy by blood. And my point was that's the only thing that you can sprinkle the blood of Christ on, according to the New Testament, is the human heart. And so we've all been washed in his blood, cleansed by blood, into his death, it says in Romans 6. And therefore, humans can take the instrument of the heart and make melody in the heart, according to Ephesians 5.19 or Colossians 3.16. They can make melody in their hearts to the Lord in God's holy temple or as God's holy temple. So that's the general argument. But she says in Exodus 30, 22-38 and Exodus 40, 1 through 15, Yahweh gave Moses instructions to use special holy anointing oil to anoint the tabernacle, the ark of the testimony, the table, the utensils, etc., and Aaron and his sons. Second, you implied the tabernacle and later the temple are analogous to the church building. Well, that's not no, I I just, I did not, that may be what you understood me to say. But I don't believe that at all, that temple and the tabernacle are analogous to a church building we do not believe here at savona boulevard that this building is holy at all this building has been paid for out of the free will offerings of the members and therefore it's to be used for whatever the purposes that the church can use its building for but we do not believe that this building is holy, nor is this a sa- a sanctuary that we have here or anything like that. Right. We believe that the church is the people that God has made holy. They are his building, as Peter says, made up of living stones. Right. And you had another scripture, I think, Gary, you mentioned on that.
1: Yeah, uh, that was, the one I was talking about was uh, Ephesians 2, uh, basically, but as you pointed out earlier, 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 16, there there's several verses that go on to indicate what the temple is made up of, and it's made up of the individuals. It's made up of people. It's not, it's it's the living not a stones. building.
0: That's right. And we're all joined together part by part, part, knit together, he says, in this in this building in 1 Corinthians 3, beginning about verse 15 on down through the rest of the chapter. So, And I think she agrees with that. Um, in, in in the sense that she's saying it's not the not this you said words the effect that just as objects had to be consecrated to bring into the tabernacle we would have to consecrate objects to bring into the church well that, that, and that's exact that is my point but I thought maybe I didn't make it clear when you, people are brought into the church by being baptized into Christ which means Romans six is baptized into His death they're covered by the blood of Christ they've been made clean by the blood of Christ they've been made holy by the blood of Christ through baptism. Into his death, and that's why, that's why human hearts or people have made me holy to God. They can then use their heart to offer up worship to God because it's been cleansed by blood. But if people today, what they do is they want to bring some mechanical instrument into a church building. Oh, maybe I should say this: they want to bring it into the worship, and they want to worship with this instrument. They say, "I'm going to offer up my worship with this piano or this drum." or this guitar. That's the objection that I have, because in order to offer up worship to God in his new temple, that object that you bring in has to be consecrated. Not bring into a building, but bring into your worship, has to be consecrated. How do you consecrate a mechanical instrument? You can't. You could can only consecrate, by the blood of Christ, a human heart. So, no, we do not believe that the building is the... Uh, is somehow holy in that sense. And she goes on to point out that, that uh, Yahweh dwelled in the temple, in the tabernacle, and in the temple he placed his name there. And I, I, I agree with that. And that's why in, when you go from the Old Testament, which is a physical covenant with physical things like actual physical tabernacles and temples, literal sacrifices, literal priests that were set apart, special from the others, and so forth. You come to the New Testament. You have spiritual sacrifices, a spiritual covenant, a spiritual building made up of people. The whole covenant that the objects are parallel, but they're not the same. They've been made into that which is spiritual in the new. And so, yes, God did dwell in His tabernacle and in His temple in the Old Testament, but He dwells in us today as the Church. That's the point of the verses in
1: that's the first per- in in
0: Corinthians three and.
1: The point of the, of us being the living stones
0: living stones he 's dwelling in us, and so that that 's why we do not use mechanical instruments to worship God. Well, you say, well, you use a songbook, yes, but we 're not i 'm not saying the songbook is worshiping i 'm really using a songbook to aid me in worshiping but now, before you jump, be careful here you don 't find people in denominational churches today saying we simply use The fog machine and the band to help us worship. They say that they're offering worship. In fact, the fellow that called a couple weeks ago said he was going to continue to use his guitar to worship God, regardless of the verses that we had read. I mean, because he didn't—I guess he didn't believe what they said, or did not—he didn't agree with what we were saying that they meant. And, And that's the whole point. He's using his guitar to worship with. That's different than saying, I'm going to pick up a psalm book, and the songbook's book is going to help me in my heart to worship God as a tool.
1: Because I read, the, I read the words and I sing.
0: Yes, you're actually singing there, okay? And so you can use something like a, a pitch pipe, as a texture just mentioned, to get the, t- the, uh, uh, the, the note to start the song on, the pitch of the song. The pitch pipe, we don't make any claim that a pitch pipe is worshiping God. It's merely an aid to doing that. I use a microphone when I teach. I don't believe that the microphone is teaching. The microphone is an aid to me teaching so people can hear what's being said.
1: Just like the whiteboard or the projector. Yeah,
0: anything like that. So we we can see the difference in those two things. So uh, the church building is really an aid. It helps us to be able to worship God in a safe, secure, dry, and comfortable place where we can focus on the worship. Is it necessary to worship? No. Is a pitch pipe or uh, anything like that necessary to singing? No. We can do it without that, and we often do, but those are just aids. So uh, you're right, a church building is analogous to a synagogue, she says, except that the synagogue means the assembly, and the assembly of Christians in the New Testament is a spiritual thing, and also a physical thing where we get together. So she also says, now that's my, uh, that's my explanation. So we find, I think she personally, reading this letter, I think she agrees that the church building and the church itself is a spiritual institution and the physical building isn't anything. The question is, in this spiritual church, can we bring in mechanical things to actually worship God with? Uh, And the answer, I believe, is no. We've, We've been told how to offer up songs of praise to God in the Old Testament, they used physical instruments in a physical temple. In the New, we use spiritual instruments in a spiritual temple. Well, my, my, my That's might be a good as idea. simple as I can right. state It
1: might be a good idea to point out that in the first century and for many years thereafter instruments of music were never used in not the church and all historians agree with that yes. so and the ones that are
0: out of phase with history are the people using instruments not us although it may look to pe- modern people since most of their lifetime every church everywhere except a few have mechanical instruments and it's the focal point of many services
1: and one of the, one of the major points is the, one of the things that they were looking at is basically this contrasted the Christian to the Old Testament law which was gone this contrasted yes. well. In Here. fact,
0: early church fathers make that point. They did not use instruments because they weren't going to go back to the way of things things were done in the Old Testament. Okay. Now then, the, that brings us really to her next point, which is an interesting point too. This is a great letter because she had she co- she's obviously studied and thought through these things, and not just got mad about something she heard that she didn't like. And I really appreciate that. Uh, third, she says, you pointed out that both the temple and the Mosaic law were destroyed. I would take exception to the notion that Yahweh would abolish his Torah, the instructions for living a righteous life, that he lovingly gave his people. Well, he didn't abolish them. they have been superseded and fulfilled in Christ, okay? However... That is beyond the scope of this letter, but it's true that the temple was destroyed. So, so for now, we can't follow the laws more accurately.
1: Well, well, well
0: now, when the temple is restored, if the temple, now some people believe that the temple in Jerusalem, as a literal physical building, is going to be restored one day, and we can—that's another whole couple of shows. Well, that,
1: that's more but than a couple it, of shows. Yes, <laughs> if
0: that's true, and I don't believe that that's what the Bible predicts. I don't think the prophecies in the Bible about a temple being rebuilt are about a physical temple coming in the future. They were about a temple being built that was built in the days of of Zerubbabel and Shealtiel and Haggai. But the future temple is a spiritual temple. And and so if you, but if you rebuild this temple in Jerusalem, are we going to, are you saying we're going to go back to animal sacrifices? Are you saying we're going to go back to a literal priesthood like Aaron? Aaron's priesthood has been destroyed. Aaron's priesthood has been done away and superseded and fulfilled by the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is also the priesthood of Christ. He's the new high priest. He's not of the tribe of Aaron. You see, the book of Hebrews in chapter 7 makes this point very clear, verse 25, 24 and 25. He's trying to tell the people, who these Jews there, that the old law has been changed. It's been done away with. It's been superseded by a new spiritual law, and he says there that the reason that you know, one of the reasons you know that Moses' law that was given on Mount Sinai was changed is because Christ is now the high priest. And if Christ, he says, were on earth, he, he could, could not be a high, high priest, priest according to the law of Moses because he is of the tribe of Judah. All the priests in the old law. Had to be by the Torah, had to be of the tribe of Aaron. Jesus Christ is not of the tribe of Aaron, therefore he could not be a priest in the temple. but when the temple was when the law was changed, then now Christ can be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. So she, the book of Hebrews argues very clearly that the old law was done away, and a new law put in its place not because it was bad, but because it couldn't accomplish the whole purpose of God, which was to save man from his sins through the death of a real sacrifice, not an animal sacrifice, but through the death of the true sacrifice of the one who was worthy, that's Jesus Christ. Therefore, he becomes the new high priest that stands between God and man and offers up his blood for our sins.
1: And he is the mediator of that new of covenant. Of
0: a new and better covenant the book of Hebrews makes more than makes that point more than once. So well, let,
1: let let's read just a second, uh, Jeremiah Jeremiah thirty one, thirty one, because I think there's a couple of words here too. It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, and now he's talking to people that are under the old covenant. The days will come when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write in their, on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor or every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. Basically, you're going to know the Lord. You're not taught to know the Lord when you come into that new covenant. You already know it.
0: Well, you have to know it or you can't get in.
1: Right, exactly. Right. And so, basically, this is something that is... the picture that's painted here is a covenant that is very, very different from the old covenant, and it should be well, no different. That
0: most basically, because one was based on physical things, the other was based, based on, on spiritual, spiritual things. Spiritual things. One mm-hmm. was one was a schematic, a plan that showed you the general outlines of something. The word is used a sketch or a schematic uh, in the uh, in the book of Hebrews. The 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 new covenant is the real thing. So we have a real sacrifice in a real holy place. We ourselves are all priests in this temple of God. And so he did a, and, and in the old covenant there was not a true total forgiveness of sins because the blood of Christ was not shed. But it, but in in the new covenant there is the total remission of sins through the blood of Christ. All has been made real. Now we can discuss about what happened to people before that time. There's a lot of the avenue. There's a lot of things to go with this. But the, there was a. Uh, she mentions she quotes Jeremiah 33 that emphasizes the permanence of this covenant. Well, the, that passage is quoted in the book of Hebrews to say that that covenant has been changed. Yes. To this new covenant that I'll make with the tribe of with the house of Israel. In fact, he says it's going to be a new covenant uh, in Jeremiah.
1: You see. And Christ is the mediator of that new covenant, mediator of this new covenant,
0: and which is made on better promises. That is a total and complete and free uh, forgiveness of sins, and so forth.
1: Something that we we recognize every week when we take the Lord's Supper in 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 the fruit of the vine. Well, see, actually, it's the represented covenant, as right. the blood of the new covenant. See,
0: here here's the true misunderstanding. Here, uh, here's the true misunderstanding. here. And that is that people only go back, they don't go back far enough in understanding these covenants. They only go back to Mount Sinai to understand the covenants. But the real covenant that God made with man goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 and then Genesis chapter 22 when God told Abraham, in your seed all shall nations. all nations of the earth be blessed. That's the promise that's the covenant that God made with man. And then the book of Galatians explains this further. It says in, book, in the book of Galatians chapter 3 is a difficult passage, but he goes on to say, um, let's just read part of this. Uh, Therefore, you know, in verse 7, that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel to Abraham before, saying, In you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now he goes on a little bit later in this chapter. To, to tie, then he goes back and speaks to the Jews. Brethren, verse 15, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is, if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. You don't alter this covenant later on. But now to Abraham and his seed, capital S, and I think he's corrected because he's going to show you why, that the seed here is is Jesus Christ, where the promise is made. And he does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and your seed who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which our writer is referring to, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. For it's, if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of the promise. So if the only thing we're going to do is go back and keep the law of Moses, we're not going back far enough, and we're not going back to the real promise that God would bless all nations in, in Christ. So Christ. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Christ
1: now, was the plan from the beginning. From the
0: beginning. it just he, Here's what he says in verse 19. Well, then what purpose does the law serve, this law of Moses? What purpose does the law of Moses serve then? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. What he's saying is this, that God made a promise to Abraham to bless all nations. In order to fulfill that promise, he he added something to the law through Moses. He added something to the promise through Moses. He added the law of Moses, which was meant to keep the Jews in check and ward them in until the Savior could come, until he could bring the Messiah, the seed who would come and bless all nations. So the law is important in God's plan. In it, he shows his love for, for mankind, his desire to forgive people of their sins he he shows them all of these things he shows them what things are really like in the heavens with a holy place a most holy place and blood being sprinkled and a high priest and all those things he shows us but they were not the final thing the final thing is the church jesus christ as the mediator a new and better covenant built on spiritual promises and spiritual and church
1: things. Is the the church is the living stone. The church
0: is made up of living stones in Christ. This is the real thing that God had in mind, what we're living now. The law was, is to be respected, not denigrated. And nothing I've said is meant to denigrate the law, but it's meant to be kept in its place. And so we can learn from using mechanical instruments and real literal priests and animal sacrifices and the, the blood of animals and all that. We learn from that, but we come to the new and we practice and live something different and, and spiritual in the new. So the, we just don't sometimes go back far enough in our veneration of the law of Moses. It was added to hold the Jews in check until Christ could come. And it was meant, he says in Romans 10, to give us instruction was not meant to be the instructions. Not meant to be the pattern for how we do things today. It's just odd to me, Gary, that people want to go back and keep parts of the Law of Moses. They don't want. They don't bind circumcision. They don't allow polygamy. They don't allow animal sacrifices. But they pull out instrumental music and priests and incense. I don't understand why you're pulling out one or two things, and not all. They wear different kinds of clothes made out of two different kinds of cloth. You see,
1: there were ways in which they, you had to cut your beard. They had to,
0: yeah, they only pull out of the law of Moses parts that they want to pull out. Now they'll tell, oh, well, that's one ceremonial, one's moral, and all this. But there's nothing moral about some of the laws that they pull out. It, it, it's a, it, these are arbitrary things that people can always go and look at. But God says, do not let people judge you with respect to the law. in Galatians. Uh, um, uh, now I'm having a brain lock here uh, in, in first Corinthians
1: yeah that. I uh, think hang, that hang on that's, a second here That's not in Galatians uh,
0: I'm having a I'm having a brain lock give me just a second. It's in Colossians chapter 2 uh, about verse 15 16 17. you'll not gonna let people judge you with respect of a new moon or a feast day or anything like that, which are just a shadow of the things that are coming you see but what we follow is Christ he says in those verses. Not the law of Moses and all the other things that go from there. Okay, so we've got two callers co- here. I'm going to leave this letter. We may have to come back to it. Let's take call, uh, the first one. I apologize, but I wanted to take care of this letter since it came in the mail this week. Ken, are you there? Okay, good. Go ahead, Ken. Okay. I just him to apologize for my cycle battle. Well, uh, yeah, we had a uh, uh, some uh, we had a complaint that uh, Ken, Ken was uh, doing psycho bab- bab- babble, but uh, and I have to admit, Ken, I uh, I think I mentioned it to you then that I, I didn't necessarily agree with what you were saying. I didn't understand all of it, and sometimes when I don't understand, I kind of let it go. But uh, would you got anything else you want to say? You don't have to apologize for calling the show and saying what you think you want to say. No apology is needed. Right. Oh, that's part that's part of it. There was a it was pi and the difference between pi and what? The square root of
1: square root of three.
0: Square root of three.
1: Square root of three. Okay,
0: yeah. That's why the numbers weren't adding up. And of course, I'm no mathematician here, so you j- was, just see, ask the IRS of how good I am well, at math.
1: You have to realize that uh, how many times I put pi at Three point one four one five nine, okay, yeah. which I have memorized yes, I because know. I had to put it into a calculator so many times.
0: Yeah, Gary, he's even shown he's pretty modern. He didn't have to use a an abacus to do that. So uh, you know, I thought he might. Have. Um. Anyway, no, we ap- we appreciate your calls. I I just didn't really understand all the points you were making that day, and I hope I was probably somewhat clear. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm apologizing, not because I made a mistake, Okay. from a point I was trying to make, which is a description. All right. So, um, the point I was trying to make is, uh, it's from 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, which they could you can come all things to all people so you can win some. Yeah, it's a very important and scripture. I didn't catch that last part there, Ken. You don't start with something else. Okay. You have to start where people are right. in right. teaching them. Yeah, Paul says, to, uh, uh, Paul says, in, uh, your phone is breaking up. I'm have, No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think he was saying, if I could be so free, that we took too much time on something that he didn't think was all that important. And maybe, maybe that's because, it, as you're saying, may, maybe in your mind you didn't express it as well as you'd like, but uh, we do appreciate your calling. That, that, was, that was the gist of what I got out of it. Uh, and it's difficult for me to judge what's important in Scripture and what's not. I mean, we do make these judgments, but I'm not, all, I'm not the one who uh, gets you to decide what's important and what's not. Scripture. You have another point you want to make, Ken? No, that's it. I appreciate you calling in. We're going to jump to the next call, but I do appreciate it. You call back any time, and I, I thank you for uh, for for uh, being humble about all this. Very much, thank you. All right, I think we have uh, Mike. Is that right? Are you still there, Mike? Uh, Jerry. Jerry. Okay. Okay, Jerry. How you doing, Jerry? It says Mike on my screen, but that's okay. What's going? What's on your mind, Jerry? Well, that's one way to put it, and I think that's probably pretty close.
1: I'd like to listen if that'd be okay.
0: That's okay, sure. I hope we can get to the question you want. Well, now look, the the, the word we'll take dispensation Spensation. first. Um, that's a word we don't really use too much today. Um,
1: and one you won't find in the Bible.
0: Well, y- y- you do find but it, it, but it's, it's not, not in usually in the way that we think right. of it as. It's not used uh, in that way. The, the word dispensation in the Bible is sometimes called a, it's about a house, it's about managing a household. It's about a person who was, the word really is oikokonomia which means the uh, running a house. I'll just put it plain, it means running a house. So what that referred to was oftentimes a person who owned a large estate or a household had someone that they appointed to run their house. They were often called stewards. And they were given, quote, a stewardship or a dispensation. Uh, Moses was given a dispensation like this to to basically be Pharaoh's right hand man. Which we, f- we see in the New Testament, Jesus uses several parables that refer to these stewards.
1: I think that was Joseph, been, probably. What I say? No, uh, no Moses. Moses. Yeah,
0: yes. Thank you. <laughs> I knew I said something wrong. It was kind of clicked back there. But Joseph was given a stewardship over that house, house of, of it, Moses. Moses. Uh, he didn't have house. complete control, but he had a responsibility. And so it is with a steward. You're given a set responsibility, sometimes narrow, sometimes broad. And then Jesus says things like, he who is faithful and little is faithful and much. And that kind of thing. When you meaning to your stewardship. So um, in Ephesians chapter, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians nine seventeen, For if I do this willingly as an apostle, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship or a dispensation, That's been committed to me, Paul said. So Paul was given a responsibility to carry the gospel to the Gentiles by Jesus on the road to Damascus. He says, I think he's saying sometimes I really didn't wish I didn't have to do this. But it's been given to me as a trust or a dispensation. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 that that there's this, that he says in, I'll start back in verse 9. Having known the mystery having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, speaking of Christ, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both in heaven and earth in him. So what he's saying here is Christ was given a dispensation and the carrying out of God's will by Jesus Christ from the time of the cross onward is Christ's stewardship or dispensation. Now, Jerry... From what I remember you calling in before, if I, if you're the same Jerry, you, and you mentioned the Catholic Church in your other word. From your a Catholic background, the idea of a dispensation is different than maybe what I would use it as. When I was growing up, I kind of got confused with the dispensation being a period of time.
1: Yeah, that's We were how, talking like
0: what, a patriarchal dispensation, yeah, a that's, mosaical dispensation, that, that, that kind that's, of thing.
1: That's basically where I was coming from. Is That's the definition that's often used in literature writing towards uh, what we call premillennialism, or right. future periods. The dispensation are, just,
0: is, a, is a realm of authority, an area of authority. authority. So Moses had authority during his dispensation. Now Christ has authority as yeah. the ruler, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the Bible sort of uses it that way in Ephesians 1, in that in Christ's dispensation, it is talking about the fullness of times when Christ's time had come to come to the earth. And then Paul Paul uses in Ephesians 3, 2, 1 Corinthians 9 to mean the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to him, meaning God gave him a dispensation or stewardship and so forth. Now, the Catholic use of the word is more like the dispensation of the sacraments or the blessings of the church. They believe that the blessings can only of God can only be found in the Catholic church through the sacraments being dispensed by a priest to you. Whether it's extreme unction when you die, a first communion, baptism, marriage, all these things had to be done by the dispensation of the priesthood or by
1: a priest. Would that be an exercise of their authority? That's
0: that, And that's what it means, the exercise yes. of their authority. They can then dispense or meet out yeah. according to... Well, you know, uh, we, we talk about a pharmacist dispensing... Drugs. Yes. And, and what we really, what's really, behind, we don't use it this way, but what's really behind that word is the pharmacist has the authority and the right to dispense drugs to people that doctors write prescriptions for. Not everybody has that dispensation or authority to, to give drugs out to people at, their, at the authority of a, through the authority of a physician, but a pharmacy has the authority to dispense them that's their dispensation. They now, get, that's how the word is used right. in a general way, and it's how it's used in the Bible.
1: They get their authority from the doctor, basically, because they are the only ones authorized to give out these things.
0: Right, the, and the law authorizes them to do that. And Paul uses in Colossians 1.25 and Ephesians three nine and Ephesians three two and, and 1 Corinthians nine. Paul uses this word dispensation to mean the dispensation given to him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles through the authority of God. And what he's saying is, uh, you, can, you can take what I'm saying as just my opinion, but he's telling them this authority was given to me or dis- to me was dispensed to me, and I can dispense it to you by the authority of Christ.
1: Well, that's what he says, I believe, in Galatians when he says the gospel didn't come by man. It came from a revelation of Jesus Christ.
0: Right, Exactly. Now, then, it's also used that Christ has a dispensation of the fullness of times, that God had a purpose. Remember, we in the last answer, in the last question, we talked about God in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 22 saying that in your seed, Abraham's seed, will all nations be blessed. And then we see in the book of Galatians him saying that this was done through Jesus Christ as the seed. And that's what he means in Ephesians 1.10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he, Christ, might gather together all things in Christ. Or God can gather all things in Christ. So God dispenses, as it were, his grace toward man through Jesus Christ, and he did so in the fullness of times or when the time was appropriate. He gave Christ the authority on earth. All authority has been given Given to to me me in heaven and earth, Christ said in Matthew 28. And so this dispensation of power was given to Christ, to dispense God's will for the people in the world during his time, which is now. This is the fullness of times. So that's how the word's used in the Bible. I think it's used in the Catholic Church to mean a dispensation uh, has been given to the church leaders, the pope, to do certain things and give grace. I, I don't believe that's a Bible usage of the word. word. And their usage of it, that, that the pope is the dispensary of God's grace, it simply has no scriptural foundation that I can tell at all. We can discuss that issue more fully. Now, the other word was annulment. And I yeah. think this might have come, if I remember correctly. Uh, let, give me just a second. I'm going to look something up here. Uh, the well, the yeah. word annul or annulment is not used very many times. It's used 12 times in the entire uh, Bible, both in, in in the English Bible. There are different... Uh, Hebrew and uh, Greek words that are used in both Old and New Testament uh, but for example in um, Numbers chapter 30 let me look this one up make sure I'm thinking of the right verse here uh, well, while you're
1: looking that up I, I, was, okay. I had I had looked up a definition of it as the Catholic Church had used it towards marriage and it seemed to me I'm I'm having to deal with my memory because I don't have it before me right now, Mike, but it seemed to me that the Catholic Church used their authority to basically declare that a marriage never existed in the first place.
0: Yes, that's what an annulment is. It wasn't a real marriage.
1: It wasn't. Uh, They used their authority to say basically this marriage never existed in the first place. If a person
0: today, if someone kidnaps someone and and under... and without their free will, marries them in some circumstance, tries to do some legal maneuvering and marry someone against their will. Our law provides it for an annulment of that. But that's why one of the first things that if you look at any marriage license, and I sign, I sign many of them in my lifetime as a minister, it says very clearly on there that, that the two people, I, I have to ascertain if I'm going to sign that document, they're both coming to me of their own free will, that they freely enter into this marriage. So that there's no doubt. So that's something and I, I don't know whether uh, you can go back and look at Old Testament marriages, whether they can marry you could marry someone against their will or not, but that's the idea. And so the other thing that Catholic Church would say is that if a person has is still married to one person, they can't enter another marriage. And so if they find out that the person has got two wives or two husbands, they would permit the annulment of one of those marriages, of the second marriage, I presume. Well, our law would do the same thing. Now, we can debate whether you call that an annulment. To, to annul something is simply to uh, make it void or to call it void. is that right? Make it of none effect? Uh, yeah, the,
1: the definition that I saw was basically... Uh, to declare it non-existent.
0: Yes. Uh, the word uh, the word is used in um, Galatians three seventeen. The verse I led later that this is to say that the law, which was four hundred and thirty years later, cannot annul the covenant which was confirmed before it. And and the word annul here means that anything that's established, as it were. It, it's from the word for law, and it means to do away with something uh, that is a law by. By, by decree, we just decree that something is no longer in effect. Uh, in, in the new new American Standard version, in, in uh, Matthew five nineteen, there's a different word that's used here. Jesus says, "Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches man, men so shall be called least in the kingdom." Whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The New American Standard says, whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and te- so teaches others shall be called least. The word is luo, and it means to loose or undo something. So, uh, like untying your shoe. So he's saying here, Jesus, when he was alive, he taught the people to respect Moses' law. Did he teach them to keep the tradition of the elders? The answer no. is no. Did he teach him to keep Moses' law? Yes. And here's the difference. The Jews, the Pharisees, and Sadducees could not see the difference between Moses' law and, and the law and the tradition of the elders. But that's what the Sermon on the Mount's is about. There's a great difference between Moses' law and the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, and, and on uh, God's law. I don't know what I just said. Between Moses' law and what the Pharisees said. So he's saying when you teach people to annul these, people today will say, Oh, you know, um, you shouldn't be worried about just a letter. You you can have sex with whoever you want to. Just follow your heart. Gary, they're annulling the commandment of God. Yes. Okay, when they teach that you can tell lies, and when you take an oath, you don't have to keep it. They are annulling the commandment of God. When they tell people, oh, don't be so picky. Stop worrying about your language. Just... Speak what's in your heart, and you use filthy, profane, vulgar uh, language or take the name of the God in vain. They're annulling the commandment of God.
1: Here's another one that that I think we'll probably cover, not in this show, but maybe next week if we have time. Uh, When you're told, what must I do to be saved? Some people will say, say the sinner's prayer. What you're doing is you're annulling what God has told you to do in the Scripture well, about you're what making
0: it, void the commandment of God you're by keeping a tradition with, from Martin Luther or whoever it's from. Well, the word means to loosen or undo or dissolve anything that is bound or compacted together. And it, it means to then verify, therefore, to destroy. Now, Jesus said, for example, that he did not come to annul or do away with the law of Moses. And it's a related word he uses there. He did not come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. And that's the point we're making. I don't, uh, I have in my safe somewhere, Gary, I think I ran across, I think I used to anyway, a letter, a sheet of paper, is in an envelope from Intercontinental Bank of Miami. It's like the first car loan I ever got. A friend of mine who had some money helped me, he put up a surety and they gave me a loan on a car for $1,000 or $2,000 or something, way back in 1976, maybe. And I eventually paid that off, and they sent me a piece of paper, stamped and embossed, paid in full on that. And I still have that paper. Now, the fact that, uh, is there a loan from the Bank of Miami? Yes, but it's been fulfilled. It hasn't been destroyed it was valid. It had a purpose. It's just fulfilled its purpose. So, in essence, that paper isn't worth anything. Well, not because I still owe money. It's been paid in full. I'm on to the next loan. It's valuable because it teaches me something. It illustrates something. It shows me something that I can learn from.
1: And it shows other people. And it
0: shows other people's things. So, that's the situation of the law of Moses. When Christ came, the law of Moses was stamped paid in full and finished it is finished okay and all of our sins have been nailed to the cross and nailing something was a way of poking a hole in it and saying that the debt's been paid and so that's the relationship between the two but but christ didn't come along and just say ah the law of moses was no good let's just get rid of it he didn't do that He said, we need to fulfill that law, and I'm the fulfillment. When it was was enforced during his lifetime, the law of Moses was enforced during Christ's lifetime. And he told the people to keep the law of Moses because it was in force. But the New Testament says that when a new will does not become effective until the one who gave it or the testator dies in the book of Hebrews chapter 7. So when Christ died, his will came into effect. And therefore, the previous will is of no, no value anymore, as far as being a living will. It is one from the past to be learned from, to be respected. It came from God. It's just been fulfilled. Now let's let's let's. And so that's the idea. That's I want to chase a rabbit here. for
1: just a minute here, Mike. Let's let's go back and look at what's being done today, even in even with Christians, basically, uh, in, in Mark seven and beginning in verse five. Jesus talks to the scribes and Pharisees about something you mentioned just a while ago he said then the Pharisees and the scribes ask him why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders but eat bread with unwashed hands and he answered and said to them well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men that's going on today. That's going on in so-called Christianity today. Because we are keeping traditions rather than the scripture. Yes. And what it means is that when you're keeping traditions rather than the scripture, it's vain worship. Right. Now, and, and, and that's I, I keep coming back to that because it's important that we know that we got to understand We should understand what Jesus wants us to do, and that's found in the Scripture. Right.
0: Um, Two things. we only got a couple minutes left. I want to make sure we get the point of what uh, Jerry was asking here. I think he was asking about an annulment from his Catholic background. He probably was referring to the annulment of marriages by the Catholic Church. And so in the Catholic Church, you can only get a divorce for the cause of fornication if it's approved by the Church. And uh, Or you you don't need an annulment if your mate dies, you're free. They recognize that, which is scriptural. And so when uh, someone comes along and they say, well, I don't want to be married to this woman anymore, they, they often will be able to, as it were, pay some money, and they can get their marriage annulled for various reasons. And there's been a big debate about the different reasons that are acceptable to annul a marriage. Now, I don't know Gary and I agree on this or not. I believe that there are some marriages that should be annulled because they were not legally or properly entered into in the first place. I mentioned a couple. For example, the person who is not uh, not of their own free will and some things like that or a person who has more than one wife and those kind of things. You probably have to do something to undo those. But the Catholic Church has, in the, and what he's alluding to in the past, it appears to so many people, have used this as a means of, for convenience for people, especially for rich people who can pay a certain amount of indulgences and so forth right. to get out of a marriage they don't want to be in anymore. And uh, so, therefore, it's a misuse of something that perhaps is permissible under certain very rare and extreme circumstances. But the Bible doesn't speak of this at all. The Bible just talks about either you're married or you're not married and gives you some conditions for that. That's another whole show. we only got a minute or so left. But the, the other thing that comes into play here is in Hebrews 7, I refer to this, where this word is used. Notice this. Speaking of Christ, who had, he says he has come, verse 16, Hebrews 7, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of the, its weakness and unprofitableness, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, There is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. So he says here, in the sense that the law of Moses was weak and it could never forgive sins, and it was unprofitable in that sense, a new law was brought in by God to replace the old law because of its weaknesses, and we have a better covenant brought now. So he calls this kind of an annulling or a doing away with the power of it. That's what annulling often means, just loosing power of something. Well, uh, that we need to that needs to be loosed. So I would question the Catholic's power, Catholic Church's power to offer dispensations of the grace of God, and their power to annul marriages. But those two words are Bible words used in the prop, if they're used in the proper way. Well, we got one minute left, Gary. Quick comment if you want to make one, or we're going to well, close the show.
1: All, all I can say again is basically, if you're laying aside the commandment of God. To hold the tradition of men, your worship is vain. Exactly. And basically, so no matter what you think your authority may come from, whether the Catholic Church or whether the state of Florida, if it concerns a marriage or whatever, basically you have to go back to what God says about it.
0: Exactly. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate the calls and comments and letters. Keep them coming in. It makes the show a lot better. We want to invite you to take a look at our website, wearejustchristians.com, wearejustchristians.com, and hope that you'll take a time to meet with us at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard. Thank you very much, and may God bless you.